to name the dancing game. I want Unit Zero One dancing to the, the opening. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AtCast, the podcast for the study of modern visual culture. It's the harbinger of the end times, Soup. <gasps> Am I an angel then? <laughs> sure. Yep. Yep. This week, AT stands for Absolute Terror or Absolute Territory or Anniversary Time because it is all of those things. We'll be talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion again, but mostly we'll be talking about the end of Evangelion and... Also, I guess the podcast because it's it's been kind of wild that we're, we've reached a year now. So, you know, yeah, we we started with Hideaki Anno's Wild Ride, and now we've been in a wild year, and now we're back at Ava. <laughs> Boy, you can just say that again. You know, it really does feel like we've sort of uh, reached the end of the world. Uh, I, I, I can feel the third impact coming anytime now. No. It's it's gonna hit us, you know. Uh, maybe maybe it's the second impact. Maybe it's only the second impact. Oh, so we haven't even started Ava yet. Technically, Ava takes place in 2015, so we have started it. Which, now that I think about it, makes a lot of sense in terms of how apocalyptic things are getting and how fast. So, yeah. I am I'm still sick, but I am a little bit peppier today, uh, which is good because we're recording this a little bit later, like at least a couple days later, probably. I'm suffering. <laughs> uh, well, at least your break is here, your winter break, and that means you get to bomb at home and recover and relax without school stress. So you would think that, but that's not even really the case because <laughs> I, now that I think about it, we, <laughs> it was not that long ago that we recorded the last episode. In fact, now that I think about it, I think it was like, what, two days ago? Uh-huh. Which is, I'm breaking the, the sort of illusion that we're, we're maintaining of a vaguely sort of regular live thing. I mean... Yeah, spoiler warning. I mean, we recorded the last episode two days ago, and now why we're are here. you giving them all this information? It's supposed to be top secret. <laughs> well, okay. Here's here's the thing, though, is because later today, I <laughs> I dis- I decided for some godforsaken reason that I would not only rewatch all of Ava and then end of end of Ava. I would also do a podcast recording on this day because it was convenient for you, and. Then also I would do a Dungeons and Dragons game later tonight, a holiday themed Dungeons and Dragons game. I would run that, which uh-huh. I've written the preamble for. So, oh, no, we're kind of in <laughs> dire straits here. Uh, and tomorrow or I suppose maybe I shouldn't say that, but like tomorrow, quote unquote, in the abstract, I will also be doing other things. Like, uh, probably not bowling. I uh, Some of my friends wanted to go bowling, but at this point I think it's like I'm too sick and I'm too tired. I slept very little last night in order to make room for more Ava. Uh, 
Oh my god. I'm kind of I'm kind of a mess right now, but also I I promised that I would uh play some Stardew Valley because uh it's I mean it's been forever, so I want to I want to get back to that. Dude, I played some last night. I tried nice. out the multiplayer for the first time. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, it's super super yeah. fun. I It's really I'm, fun. I'm having I, I was having a great time with it over I think like the summer when I was doing it, but mm-hmm. it's been a couple months now, so Hopefully we can hopefully we can get back into it. Uh, what have you been up to this week? I guess even though we've sort of gone into the preamble already, we've sort of just do- <laughs> dove in. Um, I have been preparing for the holiday season. Uh, we had a Christmas nice. party at work where we had Secret Santa, and my Secret Santa got me a giant gift basket of Ghirardelli chocolate goodies. <laughs> very nice yeah it was awesome my gift was definitely the biggest and then when i opened it i was like what is in here (laughs) and it's just a nice big old bit gift back gift basket listen if you're ever over here i'll take you to Ghirardelli square dude can i eat the square yeah you can eat the square it's made of chocolate (gasps) good it's like willy wonka's chocolate factory except the person in charge isn't trying to kill you and turn you into food Oh, well, that's lovely. I enjoy not being food. <laughs> I enjoy being food. Do you? Yeah. Well, I enjoy eating food, not being food. See, I don't have that kind of like vor fetishism that you do. So like I gotta, <laughs> I gotta be separate from it. I mean, I was just talking about my name, but sure. I mean, we can just well, bring it back to the vor thing. Yeah. I mean, I have to. But also, it makes more sense now why you named yourself after food. <laughs> oh boy, this is this is going places that I don't want it to go. Is there anything else that you were been up to? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. I've been playing more uh, Star Ocean Anamnesis. I've gotten nice. Uh, How deeper is that? into the game. Uh, the multiplayer is really fun. Uh, the, they have a couple of technical problems in which, you know, the multiplayer is still in beta. So there's still some weird bugs. Like, there are literally two characters who are really good in the game, but they make my game crash oh. <laughs> most of the time when I party with them. Oh, so no. It, it's it's painful. Like, I'm like, because one of those characters is a really good healer who is also the only character in the whole game who has a revival skill. <laughs> Oh my. Oh my. So she's, of course, very useful, and people love to use her. And yeah, sometimes I've been able to party with her, like, I think twice out of like the millions of times that I partied now. And uh, yeah. And then the other one is uh, one of the Christmas uh, characters that they released just, you know, a couple weeks ago. So, of course, Mm -hmm. a lot of people want to use him because he's also good. And yeah, he he also crashes my game. But he, so yeah, he just crashes rough. the game. Merry Christmas! Yeah. Your gift yeah, is Merry not Christmas. playing this game anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Jeez. <laughs> oh, but the other they released three Christmas uh, characters, and one of them that I really want is a character from Star Ocean Two. And I don't know if this is how it is in the original voice acting, but in the mobile game version, she's voiced by Rie Kugimiya. <laughs> <gasps> so I yes. really want it. Yes. Want it to my team. <laughs> I've been hearing Rie Kugimiya everywhere because I've been rewatching Toradora. I've been playing Grand Blue. Uh, what else? What else have I been doing? I feel like there was one other thing that I've been doing recently where Rie Kugimiya features uh, like 
you know, a lot, but I don't, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, obviously last time we recorded, I didn't ask you what you were up to, but it sounds like you weren't up to all that much. So maybe that's a good thing. Thanks for pointing that out. Now I've been like, I've been busy, like trying to get my life together in terms of like getting ready for traveling and stuff. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. <laughs> this is like the, the busiest time of year to do anything. And also like, yeah. you're just not a real person until the actual vacation starts. And exactly. Yeah. It's surprisingly boring. Um, a lot of the time because it's just like wrap up i I get yeah. it i understand yeah, yeah. And also holiday shopping so it's like <laughs> oh yeah i mean i've just sort of i've given up <laughs> i'm just like you know mom and dad i just i don't know what to get you i just you know i i just don't know I just don't yeah know. my mom definitely called me earlier in the week in a panic and was just like I need you to help me order presents for your brother and their family. I was like, <laughs> oh my god! I was like, okay, I mom. See. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, because she wants to do online shopping. Because she's she's just done. She's done with going to malls and shopping online. I mean, shopping in, in person. So she wants to do online, but she doesn't know how. So oh yeah, I mean, I her. I totally feel it. I yeah. I've run into this problem where I think a lot of people have run into issues with like. Uh, online services like Amazon where they spend too much money because it doesn't feel like real money. Well, I'm kind of in like the opposite situation now where when I have physical money in my hands, I'm like, okay, this is like throwaway money. This is no longer in my account. I can just use this. (laughs) And it goes hand in hand with the fact that I'm more likely to buy something if I have it in my hands. So Mm. uh, yeah, going, going out to malls and stuff is a dangerous proposition because I will buy things that I was on the fence about uh, and yeah, uh, that's it is just like that. I should never take you to a mall then. Well, I mean, we should go to a mall. You should just make sure I have money first. But if you don't have money, then you will not spend the money and you'll be fine. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't say that so confidently. How How are you going to spend money that you don't have? Well, that uh, that's something that a lot of people manage. I mean. To to my credit, I feel like I have decent self control online though. Even though I buy okay. I buy a lot of useless crap, I do buy things quite sparingly when I need to. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I I I don't know, but the holiday season is a deadly time for your wallet, and it's just oh, I've just yeah. kind of accepted the fact that I'm not just I'm just not gonna have money until the new year. Like it's just you just have to accept it, really. It's. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I just well, like, mm, well, next paycheck is in January, so let's go. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's survive pretty till much, then. Pretty much. <laughs> well, I've I've been up to a lot and a little at the same time. Okay. I I had a bunch of friends come over. Uh, I say a bunch, but they were it was like two. One came from Sacramento, and one came from Oregon, and we all hung out over the weekend, and it was super fun. And I'm glad that my sickness decided to wait until they were gone to really kick in. I was really oh, grateful about that because mm-hmm. I would have just been miserable. And yeah, that was a super good time. We ate a ton of good food. I probably spent just hideous amounts of money eating. <laughs> we, we ate 
we ate K, uh, KBBQ and we tried to go for hot pot, but the line was actually just wild. It was like 30 people because we decided, you know what, uh, like Saturday night, sure, that sounds like a good time to go eat hot pot. Well, yeah, it is a good time to go eat hot pot. It's just too good of a time. So <laughs> there were 30 parties in front of us and you're not allowed to make oh. a reservation unless you have six people and we had five. Oh, so, no. That was unfortunate. Instead, we went to a Korean fried chicken place in the city that my parents recommended, and it turned out to be very, very, very good. So I'm glad about that. And yeah, it's just we ate so much food. Uh, I took my friends to my favorite ramen place because, of course, if you ever come over here, I'll take you to it, too. And I love it. And it makes me feel happy and good inside. And I just need to eat it all the time. Give me that delicious pork soup. Mmm, tasty. Mmm, tasty. Mmm, tasty. Uh, aside from that, it it is, I mean, it's grand blue season, like I said at the end of last episode. And I have been grinding my brains out while watching Ava. I made a lot of good progress in uh, okay. what is called the Fimble Grind, which is okay. where you grind an event to get enough copies of a weapon to... Because uh, you, you uncap weapons, like, they have a level cap, and yeah. they have three stars, three star yeah. slots, and you uncap them by feeding them each other. So you need four copies of a weapon to get a three-star weapon. Right. And so you need to do this twice if you want the thimbles because they're good for a certain kind of weapon deck which is different from the knife grid that I was using. And it turns out that the knife grid just sucks. Like, it's just bad. <laughs> you spent all that time grinding knives and it's bad? Well, like, that's that's the thing, right? Is I, I did, and it is bad. It's just because I have another grid, which is a fire grid, which has a bunch of other shit in it that aren't knives. Like, two or three of which are canes, which have even worse attack, but somehow that grid does, like, way more damage just because fire gets blessed with all the great weapons and water is just, like, I don't know, do you want to be, like, a high, a super high-level player? Why don't you get to super high-level and, and grind all the super high-level things? And then you can have an end-game grid, and I'm like, that sounds horrifying, actually. I, that sounds terrible. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm making progress because there's uh, the other kind of grid that I'm grinding now, which is the bows called Fimbles, and I'm, I made a lot of good progress, but it's, I'm really hitting the, like, the iron wall of the grind here. I'm getting into, like, the hardcore part of it, which I think will be, will be fine. Like, I, it's not like I have things I need to attend to. <sighs> uh, but I have, like, five days to do that, so I think... I think that means by the time this episode comes out, they'll be gone, which is a horrifying thought. Um, but I'm going to do my best. And uh, I'm already I've got one completely uncapped. So I I just need three more copies. Which means Good I have luck. to <laughs> run the mission that unlocks. Uh, OK, so there's like. Missions that unlock when you do missions. So you have to do the extreme mission a couple times, and then that will give you a random chance of uh, activating the nightmare mission. And then oh you run God. the nightmare mission, and then that gives you the ex- the like the the material you need to to uh, trade for these weapons. 
And by my calculations, if I can run the highest level, which I can't do every time, but uh, on average, it should be about 57 more of, of the high level missions. Which Why do we uh, subject ourselves to this tedium? <laughs> well, okay. I I'm not gonna lie, I kinda I kinda like it now. I <laughs> I'm like on one hand I'm like kinda bored out of my skull, but on the other hand I'm just yeah. like this is kinda nice. Like I just have I have something to do with my eyes when I'm listening to podcasts or watching videos. The only the only trouble is you know, it's I can't do it while editing the podcast and I can't do it while uh, doing other games. I mean, I mean well, yeah. to be to be fair, <laughs> I did play a little bit of Grand Blue while I was editing the last episode, but that's because the last episode required so little editing. <laughs> it's actually kind of surprising. I was it was pretty it was pretty good. It was like one of the fastest ones to edit because a lot of it was just it just went. It was it was very nice, very structured, and and it just went. Yeah, I think I, I think we can ja- gradually get the guidance to be snappier, you know. Yeah, guidance are meant that, to be snappy too. Yeah, like they're we, they're we, meant to be kind of low, exactly. low editing. Yeah, when, less when rambly possible. kind of thing. Less, yeah. less rambly, more focused. Um, yeah. Whereas the the full episodes are just kind of like uh, whatever. We'll you just talk about, about knife grids and yeah. I mean, <laughs> Star Wars okay, characters. Let's, I mean. <laughs> And this is th- and this is funny where you were telling me about how <laughs> I called it a short and succinct episode. Oh yeah, and it's still forty six minutes long. <laughs> we had a disagreement about what we call short. Now, normally, yes. I agree that a guided episode should be thirty minutes or less. Yes, but I will argue that forty six <laughs> minutes is a really good time for us. I think we made a great time with that. But we can do better. <laughs> We can we can hit our standard of thirty minutes or less. Well, you also have to keep in mind that it's a it's a end of the year wrap up episode. It's not supposed to be twenty minutes long. I mean, I know, but we were it, also it only be. talking about five series between the two of us, and one of them overlaps. So really, it was nine series that we, we were talked just about. Like, hey, nine this whole was our series. Favorite. What are you talking not, about? But we already had talked about them earlier in the year. So all we really had to say was like, we picked this one and why we liked it, and then move on. Listen. <laughs> I don't know if you went back and listened to that episode again, but most of what we talked about was stuff that we haven't talked about yet. Because I yeah. decided, okay, this is my fault. You decided because I did, to go I decided on a diatribe to... about stuff that we're going to cover in a future episode, Soup. You're right, you're right. This is, this is completely my fault because I decided to add two different series airing this season to my, to my honorable mention list. You're not wrong. That, that, is, that is my B. Um, uh, but yeah, let's, let's just do better next. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do better necessarily because it it was a good episode. I think we can always do better. It just wasn't short by a normal person's standards. Yeah. I feel like, listen, 46 minutes is really short for us. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I agree saying. with That's you. Okay. I agree with you. It's fine. We'll keep we'll keep the next whatever the next guidance is, we'll keep it under 30 minutes, I promise. Hopefully. <laughs> I'm not going to make promises that I can't keep, so I promise. That's one you will keep. I'll keep this one. I'm okay. I'll keep this one. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's what I've been up to. That's what we've okay. been up to. Yep. Uh there's some 
Well, I, I mean, we'll we'll get into that stuff later, right? We'll, we'll talk about the the podcast stuff uh, at the end of the episode, which means this episode is probably just going to end up being like two hours long, and I'll just be late to my D and D session, and I don't have anything prepped, so I'm just going to cry. So let's talk about Neon Genesis Evangelion, Hideaki Anno's Wild Ride, and the end of Evangelion because we didn't really talk about it last time, even though we kind of did. We we did a very mm-hmm. broad strokes episode about. Uh, Ava and the thing about it was when we when we talked about Ava I hadn't watched it for a couple months like maybe six plus months and having just rewatched it for the first time in like a year and a half I have to say I always forget how weird this show is I know I market it to people (laughs) as a weird show but every time I watch it I'm like this is so weird and then yeah. also I forget that it is chock full of like, and especially the end of Ava, it's chock full of like terrible like body horror. Oh yeah, yes. It is horrific to watch. Like beautiful, mind you. The animation is is gorgeous in in the movie, but it's just not pleasant. Sometimes you're like, oh, that's gross. Yeah. Th- those are vaginas on her hands. <laughs> Which isn't necessarily gross, I guess. It's like all the other stuff where it's like flesh being rendered from bones and faces melting off and necks being cut. All that all that sort of stuff. Like stuff going into eyeballs. That that squeaks me out, personally. Um eyeball stuff. Yes. They I don't do like not shy stuff. away. <laughs> no. It's it's funny because okay, so for context, and if you if you've never seen Neon Genesis Evangelion and I don't know what you're doing here, but I'm sure you know what you're doing at this point. So, I mean, whatever, yeah. right? Like, proceed with caution. Uh, I mean, this is going to be like a more deep dive into Ava. Like uh, like we mentioned uh, just a bit earlier, The our first Ava episode is more like a... I, I'd say more like an intro-ish. Yeah, in, like, it's Ava 101. <laughs> yeah, we're now we're in 102. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, well, okay, so the thing about... And this is something that I'll have to explain because sometimes I forget how this works. But Mm -hmm. Evangelion, Neon Genesis Evangelion is a 26 episode anime that aired on television. And Mm -hmm. the end of Evangelion is a movie version of the last two episodes. So it Mm -hmm. is a recreation because if you watch the last two episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion, they're weird and... There's not a lot of anime, really, because at that point they had like zero money, and so they did what they could, and so it's a lot of like still shots, a lot of like really sketchy shots of just like still sketches, and pencil animation, and lots of dialogue, lots of talking, mostly Shinji talking to himself, and yeah. what's What's interesting is that Anno decided that he would go back and uh, remake that as as a movie, as the end end of Ava, which I think is good because uh, and I I will say I have mixed feelings about this, but I'm I'm glad that both of them exist. I guess is what I'll say. I don't think one of them will erase the impact of 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 the other, right? Right. Because. I like what they did with the last two episodes where it is clearly on a budget, but they really, really run with it. 
and the the way that they utilize the very sparse animation for uh, dramatic effect is like really good, right? It's like a great way of um, kind of derealizing and like decoupling you from uh, Ava as like uh, as like a as anime, right? Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, Ava as as entertainment. I guess, um, you, you, like you're made consciously aware that you're watching an anime, whereas uh, some sometimes before you're not like necessarily. You're kind of like, oh, I'm watching, a, I'm watching anime, right? And you're like kind of into it. And then the last two episodes roll around, and you're like, I am watching an anime in like bold letters, right? <laughs> so I think that's very interesting, and I'm I'm glad that it exists. It's kind of it's one of those things where it's like. This clearly exists because of of budget constraints, and uh, m- it's not necessarily going to be the most positively received thing. But I I like the fact that it exists. Like in hindsight, I like the fact that the endless eight arc exists of Harabi Suzumiya. But you know, living as like a, an eleven or twelve year old watching that weekly, that was suffering. <laughs> There's eight whole episodes, Renu. It was a whole, it was the same episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry, uh, but yeah. So the end <laughs> of Ava is is a remake of those two episodes, and it has a bunch of it fills in a bunch of stuff between episodes twenty three and twenty four, which is important because it kind of that part. It doesn't exist in the series, and you have no idea what happens. It's like Shinji kills Karu, and then the next episode, the world is over, and yes. Shinji is inside the thought soup of the Human Instrumentality Project. Yes, <laughs> which it's interesting because I was also on uh, probably uh, like many of the fans who initially watched, you know, Ava. Um, very, very confused by the ending because I didn't understand it at all. But Man, I was I guess, so confused. I know. I, I got really angry too. I was like, "What is this?" Like after watching all that, I get this kind of thing. And but I was very young when I when I first watched Ava. Yeah. And then right. uh, knowing the whole context of the series now, I can appreciate the last two episodes far more. Right. Right. And exactly. Yeah. 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 It, you you understand exactly what he was going for, but but that's also because you already have the context, right? But the fans who initially watch it, they don't have that kind of context unless they really hardcore like analyzed the series as they went and then leading up to the the finale. So yeah, it's uh, a very I, peculiar yeah. taste, I would say. Exactly. Like I'm I'm glad that the movie exists to in order to give a little more context so that people. You know, if they decide to rewatch the series after having watched End of Ava, can more fully understand what he was going for. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I I will say this about about Ano is that Ava, even though he keeps making it, mm-hmm. like just over and over again, he just keeps making Ava. Like Shin Godzilla was basically just Ava. <laughs> I I kind of don't hate that. And it's it's very interesting to me because it tells me that it tells me some very key things about Ano, which is that for one, he really, really, really loves animation, and so mm-hmm. that's 
I, that's a big part of why End of Ava exists is because it, right. it reanimates the end of the of the series. And boy, did he go all out! Like, oh yeah, there is there that whole scene where Oscar uh, is just fighting the like fake Avas or the whatever yes. is the Ava project, the Ava series. The yeah, that's what it's called. Avas. Yeah, the, the mass production Ava. Yeah, the mass produced Avas. Right, that is a gorgeous piece of animation, and yeah, it's really well it, done. It more than anything in the series conveys so well that sense of heavy weight to these like big towering things. Not that the series mm-hmm. doesn't do this well, because it does. But it does. the the scene where uh, Asuka is fighting the Ava series is so dynamic and so like filled with weight that I'm I'm like. So I'm so impressed watching it. I'm like, wow! Like yeah. the the way that it like the way that Oscar's body moves like a little bit later, a little bit with a little bit of drag, and like yeah. gets pushed back with this big sword. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really great, and like that's the case throughout the the movie. It's very pretty, and uh even when it's like horrifying even the body horror is is very well animated it's it it feels very akira sometimes in in the way it works but <laughs> yeah right cuz there's like flesh blobs like everywhere there's just almost so many flesh blobs so many flesh many blobs. fleshy things <laughs> yeah I, I and i'm definitely like there's a lot of gore because fucking unit zero two gets gored and entrails kind of go it's really gross actually it's just very gross to watch but as as a piece of animation it's it's gorgeous and you can tell that with the rebuilds too like this is also Anno's uh, Anno's deal he's like guess what motherfuckers i got money <laughs> i got cg i'm gonna make the best goddamn thing you ever seen with your whole eyeballs I'm so happy they gave him money because oh my god, the rebuilds are gorgeous. <laughs> the rebuilds, the rebuilds are gorgeous. I will say, I I actually very much appreciated the series a lot more the, this time watching it because I was able to see a lot of the the seams. I guess you could call them. I saw um, the way in which the uh, animation was was done. Like, there's a very particular like thing about cells, which is that yes. you know there is this kind of weird texture to them because they're like painted and there's almost there's almost this sense of like physical space to them because of that where sometimes Mm -hmm. the like character models quote unquote because they're painted on different cells are separated from from the environment just a little bit and it's you can only tell if you're really paying attention Mm -hmm. but it's it's weird because it technically speaking it's a flaw but it's like really nostalgic and mm-hmm. and like it gives you a sense of positive space in in a way yes. that I you don't get with with digital animation and you know that's not to say that the rebuilds aren't gorgeous because there may be some of the the most like gorgeous anime to exist like animation wise mm-hmm. they're so so well animated and the, their use mm-hmm. of CG is so good too um yes like I I of course maintain that the rebuilds just look amazing but I think there is something to the very unique era style of 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 like the 90s uh, of, mm-hmm. of Ava. Ava is such a 90s show. 
and everything about it from from its thematics to its anxieties to its its production is is representative of that and i think there is a there is a certain level of uh, as as people whenever we uh erase impurities or whenever we fix certain things and like patch up the seams we start to miss them and mm-hmm. this is a thing like all over the place this is why cars have pseudo wood panels and this is why uh, we listen to distorted music because, you know, speakers don't get distorted anymore because they're so good now. But we just kind of wreck them on purpose to make them sound a certain way because we miss that sound, mm-hmm. which I think is is very interesting and also very representative of Ava. So and I, I will say uh, in, in defense of the rebuilds, uh, they're a much more cohesive story and. They're also formatted for a movie, like like much better than the uh, much better than the uh, Madoka movies. They they're definitely reformatted to be like a movie and paced like a movie. I mm-hmm. I, I will say I do. There's a little bit of that Madoka thing where I do miss the fact that the Cruel Angel Sleases plays before every episode. Yeah, because it just turns out that, you know, fucking Hideaki Anno decided to use something that accidentally became the most iconic song and the best opening of all time. Like, <laughs> it's so good. I've, I've never skipped the opening to Eva ever. Yeah, yeah. It's ever. too good. It's just too good. <laughs> I, yeah. I actually really enjoy his his music choices like throughout the series. Like, it feels like he really digs in and analyzes what would be good for you know from scene to scene like sometimes it seems like a little odd like during end of Ava when the world is ending the the song that plays is actually really nice and pleasant <laughs> uh, I mean yeah yeah I, the song that plays is like it's it's like oh to joy <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I'm pretty. Well, sure, I'm, when, I'm pretty sure it's Ode to Joy. When, when during that episode when Karu is about to bite the dust, uh, yeah, they play Ode to Joy for like a straight five minutes, and then they, you know, and then he dies. But uh, like during End of Ava, they they uh, oh god, I forget the name of the song, but um, uh, yeah, it's just this lady that's just singing about like dreams and stuff like that, and it's all nice and kind of kind of happy sounding. But yeah, the world, everyone is being liquefied and <laughs> the world is ending. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true. I do I do really like his music choices. A lot of them are very, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of them are classical pieces, actually. But yes, they, yes, they, they end they up are. working really well, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's... It's weird, I, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Like, Ava is such a, such a bizarre show. And part, part of it is, it's it's like... It is like it is a very much a lot about these like kind of conflicting identities and and the way that we represent and think of ourselves and the way that we project ourselves on on other people. But uh, then it also shows us kind of the logical conclusion of of wishing to be rid of that, where um, everyone is the same and we're all just one collective people soup. Yeah, it's basically it it derives from people not wanting to be fearful of each other, not wanting to be rejected from each other, which makes me think that 
all these people that are behind the instrumentality project, you know, Seal and everyone, they're just all people that faced rejection at some point and got so bitter about it that they wanted to end the world. The people, the people behind Seal are just like the world's like weirdest death cult, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I I, I mean, I I will say it's, it is, it's a very like kafka-esque statement about the uh, impossibility of making genuine connections in in yeah. the modern in the modern world right yeah. like there is so much about ava that is it's very it's a very anxious show it's it's like yes. anxious about um technology it's anxious about uh modern society and how we how we communicate it's it's anxious about like gender roles and i'll say it's it is very Ano is definitely a man. You, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of of this show where it's like this odd fixation with and part of it is because it explores like very Freudian themes and um like Freudian Lacanian themes where it's it's like very very much like oh these are all like powerful scientists career women but also they just want to be women. It's like, well, okay. All right, <laughs> right? Uh, like, but I, I also think that to to some extent, in in defense of of Anno, like he was the first one to really explore that, and everyone else decided, hey, that's that's cool, and just kind of copied it without really thinking about what that meant. And right, it, yeah, mm-hmm. because it's the thing about it to me is it's not. It's not saying like uh, women are only women at the end of the day, right? It's just saying that people are always going to be beholden to their to their base instincts and, and desires, right? You know, this yeah. is mm-hmm. where at at the end, uh, uh, where uh, Ritsuko tries to like blow up the computer, and the computer, which is her mom's brain, is like, mm, no, I'm gonna choose Gendo, and more about Gendo later. But like every time I watch <laughs> Ava, I continually forget how awful of a human being Gendo Ikari is. Just. Like, <laughs> I don't know how it is that I keep forgetting. It's like, oh wow, he's like pretty bad. It's, it's like Shin, he's a pretty bad dad. But then you watch the series, and it's like, okay, he's a terrible father to Shinji, and mm-hmm. he decides that he's going to end the world to see his wife again and become mm-hmm. God. And then mm-hmm. also he sleeps with like all of the women that he ever comes into contact with, which is like, okay, mm-hmm. that's just gross, dude. Like, come mm-hmm. on, let's. Take a step back again, though. You've, your priorities are all over the place. <laughs> I think the the way that the show frames it is like these women were pursuing him, right? Right, Ritsuko and her mom. I mean, yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, he. Uh, I. Uh, but it's like you I can't. To... I mean, here's the thing: is like you can't have that be like okay. Gendo is is sleeping with Ritsuko's mom. And yeah. now Gendo is sleeping with Ritsuko. That's just I know. It's it's, it's icky. It's icky. And, but it's also icky, but, like but yeah, right. In, in defense of that, I think like that's the point, right? Yeah. Exactly. Is it's not it's not uncritical of that relationship. No, it's not. And I think what it what it's there for and what it focuses on focuses on is that even though of course Gendo is still in love with Yui, he only wants to be with her, even he has like that base primal side of him that's just like, Oh, this these ladies wanna sleep with me. I'll I'll sleep with them, why not? Like he doesn't say no to them, right? Like even though he very well could for moral reasons. 
See, I also, I, I mean, I will say, I, I do think that this is part of the, like, Shinji in, in Gendo, where he just kind of goes along with a lot of what people, like, project onto him. He just kind of, he doesn't say no a lot, mm. uh, except for when it comes to, like, cutting Shinji off and, like, not talking to him. He's like, no, Shinji, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> he, he, I I think the analysis on Gendo, especially in end of Ava, like towards the end, you know, is really interesting because they basically exemplify him as another, like a, is just a grown up Shinji, right? He is the yeah. hedgehog's dilemma, yeah. like completed, like a, just, just the more extreme version of Shinji, right? Shinji uh, doesn't want to interact with other people because he's afraid of hurting them. And so he thinks it's better to just that, that he experiences the pain himself, but because he's, so hurt he ends up running away with gendo he's already given up on making bonds with other people because he doesn't think that he can be ever truly loved again by anyone after yui right and so he rejects his own son before his son has the chance to reject him yeah, and yeah. i think that ultimately gendo represents what shinji could have been if you know if, if the same thing were to happen to him yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's that's true throughout the series. I think that in a lot of ways, uh, everything is always about what could happen, right. and like the the impacts are kind of like the the ultimate conclusion of this, right? Where uh, they say in the end of Ava, they're just like you know the angels are derived from the same like er being as humans, right? Humans are yes. the eighteenth angel, yes, and. All of the angels just represent what what humanity could have been, but they can't right. coexist, right? Right. So, I mm -hmm. think I think that's very interesting. Is it, it? And and there is a statement about like we're all like from we all come from the same place, but it's just impossible for us to reconcile our existences. And you know, this is on a on a large scale from like you know humans and angels cannot exist without destroying each other to uh the slightly smaller scale of people all have these at fields and they have these walls around their hearts that prevents them from making like connections so yeah it's right. it's all about possibility and freedom and choice yeah. and agency and what that really means mm -hmm. and it's very much about identity too yeah yeah a hundred percent and uh, the the whole ending of of Ava when Shinji is about to come upon his choice on whether to choose instrumentality or not is all about like like him having to face all the rays and stuff and and basically losing what they were calling his ego boundary was all about like right. basically kind of like driving him so crazy that he loses his sense of self right his sense of identity and that's what helps make him vulnerable to being a catalyst for the instrumentality project. And yeah. so once you basically lose your sense of self, that's when you uh you you become people soup. <laughs> yep, pretty much. I mean, god, this story is so Oedipal. Like she like and you know you know that Anno is doing it on purpose because there's like the very like it's almost like it, they're almost tongue in cheek in in mm -hmm. the way that they're placed at the series, these like mm -hmm. moments where they're talking about uh, Freudian psychology like there's a there's a point in the series where like someone on the radio is talking about the oral stage of of psychological development and even though 
Freud does not hold a hold like water in a psychological context. He does hold water in a literary context because of the influence of his works. It's kind of like this weird self-recurring like self-recursive like inception type thing where because Freud's ideas have, you know, been accepted and thought about and debated by a lot of people, it's naturally going to affect the literature of those people. Right. So Mm -hmm. even though it's not a model for which we can view real human beings, it is a model by which we can view certain stories. And it's not a lens that you can apply to everything, mind you, because I think there isn't one that you can do that with. And to do to the idea of that is like kind of problematic. But this is a story that is explicitly like very Freudian and very Oedipal like Shinji sleeps with his mom which uh, really he sees his mom in every girl that he meets really that is important to him and he like unseats his father as the male figure he like he doesn't kill his dad directly but there's a thing about that and he gets real depressed and he's like I should just die which is what Oedipus does he's just like oh god what did I do and then he like rips his own eyeballs out (laughs) yeah or something something like that yeah, it, it, it's very, I mean, it's it's interesting because it's, it's I've, I sent you that tweet earlier that I made about how uh, <laughs> uh, pregnant, pregnant women fighting is two infants having a mech battle. And I said, that's, that's the plot of Evangelion. That is. And it, it is, it is like there is, there is this like Freudian desire to always return to the, to the mother, to return exactly. to the womb, right? Yeah. Like the mother is the first being from which you are a part of and separated from so right um, it yes and and it's it's interesting that he begins to see uh misato as like a mother figure and her home as as his home and there's like stuff to dig into there but like at, at the end of the day it's just like man this is so fucked up like shinji jacks at tosca's unconscious body that's it's mm, gross <laughs> And God, I can't I can't wait until Evangelion comes onto Netflix and people can watch it legally. And we have just a whole new era of Evangelion discourse. It's going to be so tasty. And by, by which I mean, I'm just I, I hope I'm going to close my eyes and not look at it. But I, I think here's the thing is I, I think that scene is important. And most of all, it's like done very tastefully. Like, let's let's not let's not mince words here. It is that is sexual assault. But it it's done very tastefully. You know, it's not gratuitous, and it serves a purpose, right? Yes, because it's these very are purposeful. these are these are kids. These are young children. Yeah, like entering adulthood, adolescence, and like dealing with all those like gross hormonal feelings, but also. It's important because it it is central to the theme of the show, which is, I mean the the at this point it's a franchise, right? It's like it's ever it's series everything. I don't know. There's like movies of the show and the show and there's a movie that makes the uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's important because it it explores this idea of crossing boundaries, right? And yeah, Shinji crosses a huge boundary there. Like that's not okay, but. That's the point, right? Where yeah. 
that the the crossing of boundaries and all the characters are constantly crossing each other's boundaries like all the time right and that's the that's the point right this this at field this idea of of your ego of your un unintrudable space it's it's not unintrudable right people come into that shit all the time Mm -hmm. right this is this is like where unit zero one is like the first like fight with an angel we see where it's just like ripping into a uh an, an angel's uh, personal space uh, uh, like psycholo- <laughs> psychologically and physically and then crushes its mm, heart brain but yeah it's it's about crossing boundaries and yes. and talking about how as as a person living in a society you will inevitably cross people's boundaries they're they're like the ha- the walls they erect around their hearts, and that's gonna be a problem. But it's one unavoidable, and and two like bad, but also like that's just what life is, and you kind of need to you need to live knowing that that that's gonna happen, and that right. you you have to work around that, and exactly. not just yeah, and not just that like this this set this boundary is is invincible, right? It's not. It's it, it is permeable. Yeah, it, and, um, I think there's there's important lessons too, um, especially in End of Eva about how to specifically use your AT field, you know, in 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 situations like you know, Asuka literally uses it as a shield when she's fighting the mass production Avas, uh, but she uses it, you know, opportunistically, right? When she when she masters it and she manifests it through her her love of her mom and her mom's protection. Um, yeah, I I always find that scene so interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting too. Like the fact that Asuka and Shinji are such good foils for each other. Like like scene yeah. for scene, you'll see Shinji do one thing, Asuka doesn't do that thing. Shinji like uh, says goodbye to his mom. Just the pre- prior scene, Asuka welcomes her mom and and returns to her mom. Right, like that kind of stuff is is so good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it, a big part of of Ava is this this idea of identity, and you know this uh, the, and I actually realized this while I was watching Ava, but I realized why I like Dragon Pilot, and it's because Dragon Pilot uh, is just Evangelion, but without all the like. It's a very accessible, like very accessible Evangelion is is what I'll say. It's like as weird as the premise is, it's a lot less weird than Ava is. <laughs> and it's um I think it's much more palatable for uh for people. So if you don't like body horror, but you do you are interested in Ava, maybe watch Dragon Pilot. But like there is this idea of of the Evangelion, right, the Ava as derived from humans, as approaching divinity, uh, and also as a a psychic link and a shield. Yes. And basically, like, the pilot within, when their mental state is, is not doing well, they cannot pilot the Ava well. So when your mind is not in sync with your body, when your identity is not in sync with your body, then you're going to have trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, like functioning and i mean i i think part of this is like maybe some like on some deep level there's like Anno's depression like coming up and like surfacing in in his experiences with that because like that's i mean shinji is just like 
that dude is clinically depressed. Like there is boy oh boy oh yeah, like clinical depression, clinical anxiety, like all the, a lot of the stuff that he says are things that I've heard from, you know, clinically depressed or clinically anxious people. And Yeah, exactly. I it, it's such a it's such a personal expression of of Anno's experiences that I can see why he has to tell the story and why he can't ever let it go um aside from you know how big the story has gotten but also like i can see how how dissatisfied he would be with how the franchise has become right like with how commercially successful it's been like of course it's great that that people resonate with it but also like i don't know how i would feel if i made a whole series that basically lets out all of my insecurities all of my horrible experiences and what i've learned from them and then people just use it as an opportunity to fetishize certain characters and and stuff like that and completely gloss over the things that i felt were important right (laughs) i mean that's that's true i i think anna doesn't care quite as much just because it means he now has infinite money to make uh ava 3.0 plus (laughs) 1.0 He I think did it's make his own studio, so I'm proud like of it's, him. <laughs> that dude has so much money now to make the anime movie of his dreams. And if 3.0 <laughs> plus 1.0 ever comes out, I think it's just going to like melt my eyeballs. I, I, I think that at this point, it will just melt my eyeballs. I don't think my, my brain can handle something as advanced as 3.0 plus 1.0. But yeah, I, 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 I will agree that I, I think that it, it speaks from a very personal place. And it's it, a lot of these characters get very frozen and they um, they have to reconcile their identity before they're able to, to move forward, right? Where Asuka eventually reaches some kind of conclusion i'm not i'm not gonna make a claim and say it's it's positive because she's uh she's quite manic in in that scene (laughs) but it does feel good when she's just like when she kind of like deals with it and she's just like i'm fucking invincible you're like yeah asuka that's right you're invincible i mean she's not but uh, it makes you feel good when she says it um yeah i think for me, the conclusion, one of the conclusions that she reaches is, you know, the way that her mother died, it made Asuka feel like she was an unwanted child that whole time. And that's something that Shinji also struggles with, with in the feelings of being unwanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Asuka always pushed through it by, you know, being better than everyone else, right? By being prettier, by being stronger, by being more charismatic. Uh, and then that realization at the end that all this time her mother didn't want, you know, Asuka to die, didn't think that Asuka was worthless. It was that, you know, even though her mother was dead, she was still watching over her. And so Asuka drew strength from that and was able to overcome uh, one of the biggest insecurities that had been holding her back. Yeah. And I mean, like going back to what you were talking about before, Mm -hmm. where, um, the uh like how Shinji and Asuka are foils for each other. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's it's very relevant when you look at how they eventually come to terms with with their like various traumas. Cause like Asuka realizes that she is uh basically doing everything so that people will look at her because she always felt like an unwanted child, right? Mm-hmm. Like she does a lot of these things 
in in by like by the same motivations as, as Shinji, she's trying to protect herself from from being hurt, and so she comes off as very abrasive. Yes, and Shinji also right, like it's kind of perfect how the series end or the the movie ends with uh, Asuka and Shinji not talking to each other, and Shinji is choking Asuka out. And then she like puts a hand up to his face and he stops and then she's just like I hate you or whatever. She says you're right? she, she says he's disgusting. <laughs> right. It's like you're you're pathetic. Yeah. Right? Like kind of an Oscar thing to say. Yeah. But it it is it's very interesting to me that Shinji is is someone who like refuses to uh understand basically to to ask whereas asuka is someone who is uh, afraid to like speak or or speak like honestly right right yes where where shinji is uh, having uh, like shinji has trouble understanding people and asuka doesn't say anything right so it's this perfect kind of like headbutt of Mm -hmm. mismatched expectations where asuka assumes that people will understand her even though she doesn't say anything that will be helpful, right? Even though that she she can't speak from her heart. And Shinji doesn't even try to understand people. He just assumes people are mad at him. Right. Right, and, and it shows that, like, both of those approaches are wrong, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, it is it is important to, to look at the fact that they they are both not correct and that you cannot, like... You can't exist doing one or the other. You have to understand and you have to try to understand and you have to explain yourself to people. And you can't just go through life expecting people to understand you uh, and expecting yourself to be understood without saying anything. Right, exactly. And I think that resolution of their... (laughs) They're two very completely opposite... uh, you know, standings in terms of interactions with other people does get resolved really well in that single silent moment, right? Like during that well, whole yeah, like, huh? It, it's a moment of like pure communication, right? They're not yeah, talking; exactly. they're just existing, yes. and uh, like it's it's very it's a very physical and and uh, almost like primal, right? There's there's yes. almost something like kind of like this is beyond like connection right right? this is like pure transmission yeah it it, and it's it's like an expression of what they were you know yelling at each other during the kind of like uh hallucinatory or or uh i don't know illusory kind of thing that shinji was going through where Mm -hmm. um he was yelling at the uh the voices in the asuka misato and rei voices you know um we're all like kind of like being like seducing him into instrumentality and he he like is angry with them and says like you know you guys were never why didn't you ever try being nice to me you're all just trying to make me do one thing or the other why didn't you actually try being kind to me and then they say oh but we were and he says no you were smiling at me but really you were just trying to be ambiguous and it's that ambiguity that confused me and and drove me you know uh to to doing stupid things right and so when mm-hmm. Asuka finally shows him 
you know, a moment of kindness at the end. And when Shinji finally acts on his anger, his all his pent up frustration, that's when they finally understand each other and they can resolve it. <laughs> yeah, a moment of pure transmission at the yeah. end of the world. Yeah. See, what's interesting to me is I'm, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm definitely not alone in this, but I'm so curious as to like to see what the hell Anna was doing with the rebuilds. Because they're different, <laughs> right? Yes. Where uh, the story branches off into mm-hmm. something completely different. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I am I'm so excited, it, but you. also, you know, uh, I've I've rewatched um, the rebuilds a couple of times now, um, and well, okay, you uh, thought we were doing the rebuilds, well, like yeah, all of them. I mean, yeah, but uh, before this, also. Because I was yeah, just like, I yeah. need to understand this. <laughs> um, but I've only rewatched End of Ava like twice, right? So this most recent time, um, I can understand, right, when I was watching the rebuilds, why people were so upset with 3.0, right? Because 3.0 is like yeah, the biggest yeah. departure from the original series. But mm-hmm. if you re- if you watch 3.0 and then immediately go back and rewatch End of Ava you'll see exactly how it connects. (laughs) Like, it's incredible how some of the scenes and some of the imagery are exactly from End of Ava. And people don't realize because it's been so long since since End of Ava. But uh, because the rebuilds, you know, the the first one uh, is a remake of the story up until you meet Asuka. And then... Uh, the second one is from Asuka until, uh, you know, past um, Ray's death. Um, and basically up until the... F- uh, the, f- the third impact, yeah. Right, right. The the uh, the last couple of episodes. And then 3.0 is when, you know, you, you meet Kaoru. And uh, so it covers, like, the last couple of the uh, episodes from the end of the series and end of Ava. So... Even though it feels like such a huge departure because there was a you know a big old time skip and everything, it's actually a really good remake of End of Ava, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. <laughs> yeah, uh, there is there is a, a an element of you know Ano is just redoing Ava until he gets it right, which is to say, I think he is just continuing to refine it in until it represents what what his original vision was, right? Whether mm-hmm. it was uh bound by inexperience or um you know uh, budget or or animation or even technical limitations right he's come out and said like now that cg is so good i can do whatever the hell i want yeah and i think right? also, and, yeah it's 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 uh, good <laughs> and I, and i will say this this episode isn't about the rebuilds because that's no, for next year but i am excited to talk about them because oh my god the all of the illusions about it being like a sequel to the series and stuff i'm there <laughs> i'm so there <laughs> right it's the the series uh the uh, the set of movies is called shin Ev- yes. evangelion which, yes. which can mean new yes or uh or it can mean true yes so it's it's somewhat unclear because Ono is very aware of and likes to kind of mess with language, which is why there's like English speaking and German speaking in in the original series uh, of dubious quality. But that's just how it <laughs> be sometimes, because um, you know it's it it's important to him. It, it seems like and it, it from a 
Japanese context in like the 90s, it is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, like the fact that a uh, Asuka's Eva is set to like the German thought, right? The idea that your language defines your thoughts and and binds the the edges of of your thought is mm-hmm. um a somewhat a somewhat hotly contested topic in in the linguistic world but it nonetheless is a very powerful tool for exploring how um language affects us mm-hmm. and he's like the thing about it is like he he's so mysterious about it i guess is <laughs> is like he's he's so eccentric because <laughs> Apparently, the Ava team is is the one that chooses the the English names of the movies, mm-hmm. which, so you know how the the movies are, you know, uh, 1.0, you are not alone in in parentheses, uh, 2.0, uh, you cannot advance, and then you cannot redo. Mm-hmm. Well, the Ava team chooses those, mm-hmm. but that's not what they're called in in Japanese. It's mm-hmm. it's Evangelion Jo. Ha and Q, which is a a reference to the um, traditional method of of pacing in uh, Japanese like plays, basically, mm-hmm. where it it's like it's about like setup and like uh, rapidly uh, accelerating and then like hitting the like point where you're like Wapa! right <laughs> the like impact point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, think th- like think of just like that classic Japanese noise that's just like, bum bum, bum bum, <laughs> clap clap, right? Like that sort of thing. <laughs> that's that's Johaku. Okay. And that was. I mean, okay. Listen, I tried my best. I'm still a little sick, and like you, you can't expect me to do that actually well. Uh, so is the I'll last movie I'll gonna be it. like Joe Q because or Q Joe? <laughs> no, no. So okay, here's here's the weird thing because it's 3.0 plus 1.0 yeah. in English, but in the Japanese, it is the uh, repeating sign for uh, a musical measure. Yeah. Like it's just it's it's just Evangelion and then this musical notation. Yeah. And no one knows how to pronounce it because, d- yeah, of course not. <laughs> like what how, what do we call that? Ano, what do we call that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's very interesting. Uh, and I'm like they make a lot of choices about the translation, which is not something I I've really seen from any really any like translated piece at all other than like very specific books like like ancillary justice right where the language is a very key component to it it's very important where technically like some of the translations are not one for one from japanese to english but ano and his and the team just chose them you know like i think something something about like angels i think angels is like a mistranslation but it's it's just what they use, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's something very fascinating about that to me. I'm God, Anna, please just release the movie. I just want to see it. I want to see this, and I want to see the hopefully final Madoka movie, and then I'll just be done, man. I, I love my, that the that phase the, of my life will be over. I'll be able to put down anime forever. Madoka pretty closely parallels Ava in terms of its oh, yeah. like Ma- Madoka could not exist without Dion I, I Genesis know. Evangelion. I, it's so funny too, like, and the fact that the third Madoka movie was also just as I would say just as hotly 
received as a highly contested as uh the third evan evangelion movie is is fair great (laughs) yeah yeah i i mean it's yeah the rebuilds are good but we're we're gonna get more in depth into all the weird shit that happens in those uh, next year yeah for our next anniversary and maybe maybe by the third anniversary god willing you know if we're still going by then if the world hasn't exploded and Um, uh, i mean it's it's scheduled for 2020 which i'll right uh, exactly you know maybe then (laughs) maybe maybe then we'll have we'll have that movie so (laughs) or maybe maybe we'll just break tradition and just review it on the spot i mean it's important enough to our podcast i guess (laughs) but yeah i i really liked end of ava and even though it was just so weird, like it, it, Evangelion is such a dense show. Yes. Normally, when I watch an anime, my brain just kind of like flickers off, and I just like run through four hours. I'm like, cool, I, mm-hmm. I've come out the other side of four hours. And with <laughs> with Evangelion, I'm just like, I'm still watching the same episode. <laughs> It's like, like I can feel my brows furrowing as I'm like trying to analyze each little flicker of a scene. Cause you know, they do a lot of like flash imagery throughout the series. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so if, you, like, if you have uh, epilepsy, do not watch these oh God, movies yeah. or the series. Yeah. Uh, the last couple episodes of this series. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I never realized how unfriendly this was to epileptics. Yeah. It's very very Unt- bad <laughs> until like now. I think all of the '90s was really like this. I watched yeah. I watched Roni Kenshin recently, and like every time he does the Amakakeru Ryu no Hirameki, it's just like, whoa, my eyes hurt. <laughs> like whoa, this is painful to watch. You're really going for. I'm just like, thank God for Pokemon, just like putting kids in the hospital because now now they darken these scenes so that we don't have to die. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, but yeah, I, and and I will say I I think um, and we're just we're talking about the rebuilds again, but I know I Can't I appreciate it. what Ano does with the rebuilds where uh, he's come out and said he's like I want to make these more uh, approachable and more understandable, which is I think an admirable thing because I don't mm-hmm. think I have a very complicated relationship with accessibility and, and art. I don't think art has to be accessible to everyone, but I think you should at least try to make it accessible to as many people as possible. Right. Because right. Ava Where, has, has a pretty notorious reputation. Yeah, Ava has a notorious reputation for being just weird, right? Yeah. And, like, completely incomprehensible. And, I mean, part part of the reason, that's part of the reason why we're here. We're here to explain things, and maybe maybe you'll get something, or maybe it'll just all be, like, literature major jargon, and I've just confused <laughs> you even further. And for that, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I'll try my I'll try my best next time, I suppose. But yeah, like it's it, I mean, it, it is a real concern sometimes where you're just like, I mean, people might not understand this. And I think it, it is on one hand brave to just be like, I put a piece of art out there and it's not going to be for everyone. But for some people, it's going to resonate. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's admirable to say, like, I want this to reach as many people as possible. And mm-hmm. and I appreciate what Ano is doing. And god willing i hope he just like maybe removes those uh scenes where they flash a bunch i they're, they they go hurt. a lot easier on them in the movie in the rebuilds i mean 
And all right, I've just gotten the signal that I am going to have a, a someone come pick me up soon. So we should start to wrap up. Okay, let's wrap up. This was kind of a short episode. Uh, for, for that, I'm, I'm kind of sorry, but... Uh, I'm not sorry. We're being snappy. <laughs> I don't know if we're being snappy because... <laughs> The advantage of having the, like, long, drawn-out episodes is that I can return to, like, the kind of messy thoughts I have. That's just a joke. Fucking... I don't ever do anything like that. <laughs> I don't ever explore things deeply. I just say things, and I'm like... I point to it, and I'm like, yeah. Freud. Mm. Sex. <laughs> no. Okay, I will say... Closing thoughts on 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 Evangelion. I I do think that the like nakedness and the sex is like part of this idea of of making deeper human connections. It's a very Kafka esque thing where people just get naked in front of each other or bare skin or um, whatever. Right. Uh, I took an entire class on Kafka. I'm sorry if I just keep bringing up friends Kafka, but he's. I mean. People think, in Japan like Kafka. I think it's especially poignant in a society like J- Japan's, right? Where they are... Yes, yes. Yeah, like they're very, very modest and, and there's a lot of humility and, and to just bear well, your soul is a lot. It's just the <laughs> it's just the idea of living in a modern society, right? Where even... This is the case in American society. Yeah, that's where true. It is so hard to make connections with people because there's one, and we've talked about this with the, with the Twitch episode, where there's no infrastructure for community building and... Two, you're not really expected or you're expected to never show emotional vulnerability or honesty. Mm-hmm. So because um, that makes you weak. Mm-hmm. like, And because of our patriarchal society, it aligns you with womanhood and femininity, mm-hmm. which is bullshit. But anyway, yeah, I, I will say Kafka is very and I I did my entire like final in that class about this. But Kafka is, is integral to, to Japanese culture insofar as. It is about alienation in society, in in modern society. And Ava talks a lot about that. It has a lot of ideas about technology and the way that it is uh, trending, like science and technology trending in a way where we're moving away from science and technology for humanity's sake and and we're moving towards science and technology for uh, discovery's sake, for the sake of power. So, yeah, it's very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I, lo- I love that the supercomputers are like biocomputers where they have like brain like quote unquote brains in them and then like the the Maggie supercomputer in in Nerve headquarters is just Ritzko's mom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I boy, I could just do like an entire 15 minute talk about that, but this is this is wrap up time. And Ava, it's technology and society is it makes it hard to make connections, but Maybe the end of the world is coming, so don't worry. Um, we'll see in 2020. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see in 2020 if the world explodes. And God, I say that, but actually, now that I've said that out loud with my mouth and heard it with my ears, I I'm afraid that that's going to be the case now. It sounds plausible. <laughs> Do you have any closing thoughts? Um, closing thoughts is if you ever. Deep dive into Ava. Pay very close attention to anything that old man Fuyutsuki says. Everything he says. Oh yeah, Fuyutsuki is such a good character. Relevant, so relevant. (laughs) When we watch the rebuilds, we're just gonna like spend half an hour talking about Fuyutsuki. Yes, we will. (laughs) Good lord, Fuyutsuki. Um, Also, Kairu is the best, and Kairu is the best, and Shinji is probably gay. Or at least bi, I think. I don't know. 
This yeah, is yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. This is another one of those like Kafka things where it's just like <laughs> m- males bonding, but like in a gay way. Like this. This isn't your your you know two two dudes sitting in a, a hot tub like five feet apart because they're not gay. This is like two guys sitting in the collective bath holding hands naked because they are gay. And one of them says he loves the other. <laughs> he does. In in exactly those words, he says both koi and ski, which are both ways of saying I love you. <laughs> so, um, like, I, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know what you need more than like they hold hands <laughs> naked in the bath and Kaori says he loves Shinji and Shinji says, man, I loved Kaoru. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what else. I don't know what else you want. From what me. else do you want from me, world? <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about that, but those are also rebuild thoughts because Kaoru only shows up for like two episodes in the actual series. And yeah, in the um, rebuild, he, he gets like a like, whole movie. He has like maybe 10 collective seconds in End of Ava. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's so important in the rebuilds, though. Like, he's yes. such a central. I mean, he's an important character to the series, too. And I'm. Yeah, I, I see why Anno decided he wanted to explore that relationship more because that's like probably one of the most interesting ones that, that appears because it's so different from the rest of his yes. relationships. Mm-hmm. It's so different from his relationship with uh, Asuka and Rei mm-hmm. and Misato. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you can... It, it was de- like Neon Genesis Evangelion is definitely like created by a dude because he's just like women jobs sex and i mean it, it was a valid concern in the 90s i, I like don't get me wrong where like yeah. um it's not just about like um like career women right it, it is about people who devote themselves so much to, the, to their job that they forsake their personal lives and this is right. you i mean you, it's not just the, the women that do this right like misato's dad does this gendo does this like mm-hmm. they're all like this yeah and it's very relevant even to, to today's modern Japanese society, right? Because it's like, you know, the birth rate is going down because everyone is overworked to death because capitalism is terrible and no one gets a break ever. <laughs> and they, I think they also explore in terms of like trying to fit Shinji to that mold, right? Because throughout the series, you constantly hear them say like, you're a man, aren't you? Why don't you do this and that and the other? And Shinji's yes, like, yes, uh. yes. I don't know about any of this. <laughs> that, that's true. There's there's a there's a very like pointed statement about like um, there's a lot of statements pointed at Shinji about like just man up. Yes. And Shinji's like I I'm just not like like that right. Yeah. He's like I I I know. And he also is kind of like he's a bit of like a house husband too, kind of because he yeah, he also cooks right. He cooks and cleans. Well, this is place. This, this is the thing about Shinji that I, I think th- this is a lot of the reason that people take issue with Shinji, where they're just like, oh, he's just a whiny baby, right? Shinji is so different from shonen like anime prota- yes. like anime protagonists in general. He's yes. so different from them. Yes, right. He's like. He 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 cooks and he doesn't like to fight. He doesn't like to kill people or hurt people. And he's like he's very feminine yes. in a way. Yeah. Where it's like in so far as like he's not hyper masculine, right? But he's he's so different from from a an anime protagonist yeah. or what you would expect from an anime protagonist. And I think that's really important, especially in the time that Ava uh, came out. Mm-hmm. And it continues to be important, right? This is why people don't like Steven in Steven Universe, which is like, first of all, how could you? The second of all, I see it. It's toxic masculinity. That's why. Exactly. I think I think the whole like, uh, you know, man up, be a man kind of thing 
they they explore the toxicity of that in Ava too, which I find really interesting considering, you know, it came out in the 90s, right? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of very insightful things that Ano has to say mm-hmm. about uh people. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's super a super fun well, I'm not gonna say fun, but it is a watch. It is a very important. It's watch. a wild ride. <laughs> it is. It is important. It's a Hideaki Anno's wild ride. It's important to the history of anime. <laughs> it is important to the history of of animation and media Whoa. in the 21st century. Whoa. Good God! Like everything is Evangelion. Really? <laughs> I just. I wish I was joking, but everything is Evangelion. <laughs> Even Steven Universe is Evangelion. Even Steven Universe has a lot of. <laughs> In it. <laughs> a lot of Ava in it. Um, but yeah. So uh, yeah. In in that's that's Ava. Uh, end of Ava, at least mm-hmm. for for now. We'll probably maybe we'll just touch on it at some point uh, in the future. But that's it for now because I I have to go basically. Um, yeah. Where I'm we're out of time. Yeah. Uh, just a little bit about the podcast coming up. We're working on some stuff. And it's going to be cool. Uh, we're working on getting some music that's not going to get us nuked into the ground by whoever owns the soundtrack for Ava, which at this point is is really ambiguous. Maybe, I don't know. Hideaki Anno himself will come to our houses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hideaki Anno will come to my house and he'll just like put me in a robot and I'll die. No! I'll turn into a My people sweet soup. cooking boy. <laughs> and the world the world will end. Uh, but yeah, we're working on getting some music. Uh, we already have like updated logos and stuff. And of course, we're always always working to improve the podcast. Yeah, it's been a whole year. Thanks for hanging out with us. <laughs> it's been a whole year. It's been wild. We've made yeah. wild leaps in, in audio quality. <laughs> at least on my end. Uh, <laughs> Because I bought a new microphone. Wow, it, shade. Well, actually, Should I, okay. I get a microphone no, no, too? No, no, hang on. Here's the thing. is your, your audio has always been fine. It's just that my audio... I've changed mics and interfaces twice now. So uh, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, we're, we're, we've got some other stuff uh, in, the, in the works, but yeah. we don't need to announce those yet. But yeah, thanks. Thanks for sticking with us for a year. Thanks for a whole year. <laughs> thanks for a whole year. Thanks for listening. Uh, we always appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And here's here's to another one. Yay. Of more more Ava, more Akechi Goro eating his fucking heart out. Oh my out. god. <laughs> I don't know, more Yakuza, I guess. <laughs> Probably. I'll never stop. <laughs> Probably. More more maybe signs of the apocalypse, but uh who knows about that one? 2020, let's go. But first we got to make it through 2019. <laughs> that's that's true. Hopefully we can make it through 2019. I bet I bet we can. Listen, just Imagine that you're Asuka. Imagine that you're fucking invincible, okay? Because you are. Just, oh, okay. Like I'm more like of a m- mentally. Hold on, hold on. Men- mentally, right? Like don't don't run yourself into a bunch of cars or anything because you're not like you're not you don't have an AT field outside your body. It's only inside your body. Okay. Um, but I believe in you. You're fucking invincible. Yeah, Renu. Uh, yeah. Where can we find you? What are you up to? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at swan.drawn, uh, everywhere else is swan.drawn. Um, I will be on holiday when this comes out, so I will not be on the internet. <laughs> but by the nice. time the next podcast comes out, I will be, so. If only I could be so lucky. <laughs> yeah, what about you? 
You can find me on all the places at Literal Soup, uh, especially my itch.io page because I, I haven't released a new game. I'm sorry. I kind of made it sound like that with the wind up, but it's I, I realized that my game is basically if you turned uh, if, if it's like Ava, except that one Ava at the end of the series where it's like the school Ava. Okay. Yeah, where you you play like an alien and a human fall in love, and that's basically what happens with Shinji and Kaoru. So find find me there. Uh, I do a lot of tweeting. I, I I tweet lots. I retweet lots. I I post pictures of the food I make, and I make shit posts like talking about how Evangelion is two pregnant women fighting, except now they're just like encased in armor. Uh, sometimes I'm funny. I feel like maybe. And yeah, just I mean. I hope you tune in next time for whatever whatever that is. It will be something, I It'll swear. It'll be in the new year! <gasps> yeah, because, like, good good lord, we we still have so much to cover. Uh, God knows that the, the season is ending and the world is falling apart. <laughs> but I fine. think we can hold it. I think we can hold it together for another year. Yeah. Just remember, you're fucking invincible. Yeah. I catch you, girl, your fucking heart out. He's He's not invincible. <laughs> He's not invincible. He died. <laughs> it's the last Akechi Goro of the year. Oh. <laughs> maybe next year we'll pick a different slogan. Or maybe maybe we'll just keep hassling Akechi Goro. But now he's in the dancing game, so just let him dance. Is he actually in the dancing I game? I he is. <laughs> God's sakes. <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> Accept it. <laughs> also, Gendo. Gendo Akari, you too. <laughs> Eat your fucking heart out. Jesus, dude.